Inspired by hip-hop and the faith culture, the sanctuary in my solitude, the thoughts, feelings, and life lessons of an imperfect Christian by Anthony Kisik is beautifulfeetentertainment.com's work in print. It is a book of poetry and it's available through iUniverse.com, Amazon.com, beautifulfeetentertainment.com, and the links are also available in our social media and podcast. So please consider The Sanctuary of My Solitude if you're looking for a next great read. Thank you so much. This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. My name's Anthony. And I'm Jessica. And this week we're going to take a quick break from um, really all the research heavy episodes we've been doing and really just have a discussion about one of our favorite things, the movies. So this really is going to be a launch pad into our series for next month, which is May, because we're going to be reviewing a lot of very specific movies during that time and honestly quite a bit throughout the summer we did not pick a like a particular specific movie for this podcast but we're just going to answer some questions about movies that we have come up with yeah so like you were saying uh, this is really just that introduction of like what we find to be some of the best movies that kind of draws us in right um and I know we have some questions that we wanted to kind of get through. Um, did you want to start with those or did you just want to just discuss why we like movies? Uh, let's go with why we like movies for 100, Alex. Is 100 <laughs> even a category on Jeopardy? Let's do 500. Yeah, I think it better. starts at 5 because the biggest is like <laughs> 2 grand or something. Um, so, her, Jessica and I, like, we've been... I've always loved movies. It's always been one of my favorite things to do is go to the movies. Um, For you, it was always like, this is, as you say, a treat. It really was a treat for me to get to go to the movies. It was a very special occasion for my family. Yeah. Whereas for my family, we got to the point where it was a weekly thing, like going to the movies, but we still loved it. Um, Now, when you and I started dating... That was what we did. We would always go to the movies um, and then go to dinner, right? Well, because most people, they will be like, hey, let's do dinner and then a movie. And we've always been like, let's go to the movie so we can talk about it at dinner. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, we like to, and this is kind of what started the podcast, was we love to analyze movies and like dig deep into them. Mm -hmm. We don't just leave the theater and be like, oh, that was fun. You know, we actually will analyze, like, what does this mean and why they do this? And, you know, so that's kind of where the both of the podcast came from. As you like to say, like, we love to do a deep dive into it. Yeah, the deep dive. Because um, you have people in your family that you try to deep dive with and they're just like, it was good. Yeah, they're like, oh, that was a nice movie. Yeah, and me and you just drill into it. Anyway. Well, especially so, like with the longer films, when you're getting to like a two plus hour, you know, extravaganza, there should be a lot of content for you to unpack and talk about. 
Yeah, but, you know. We've even watched some 90-minute movies where I was like, wow, that, that was a lot of content. <laughs> and then we have a longer conversation than the movie was. Oh, yeah. The movie's 90 minutes. Our conversation's two and a half hours on the movie. Um, well, it'll be like what we watched, what we learned, the different actors and actresses that we saw. And we're like, wow, I really liked that performance. Or, gee, like that was less than stellar. Yeah. Or I expected more from that movie. We know what we're talking about. Uh, uh, I was like, I don't know if I want to jump just there yet. I think the, like, the first question that we should probably tackle was, what was the first movie that we as kids watched like numerous times? So for us, it would have been with the help of like VHS tapes. Oh, VHS. I, I sound like a dinosaur like saying, like, yes, we had VHS. Video tapes. Yeah. We did. We're of that time frame. I mean, heck, um, mine was either Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast. Ooh, I'm surprised Batman movies, like, or the Batman animated series did not make a Well, you have to realize the Batman animated series was on TV, like, I couldn't go back and watch it. I have to watch it once. And mm-hmm. My dad did tape them, but he, like, taped over them every week. Yeah. So, like, I couldn't, I didn't have, like, a collection of them. So, as far as VHS and being able to re-watch it over and over, it was one of those two. Um, there was probably some other ones, like, Hunchback was probably in there. Um, and then, like, if you want to go a little more deep, um, Poetic Justice was probably one of them with Tupac and Janet Jackson. Um, yeah. What about you? What you got? So... I distinctly remember that the wonderful world of Disney had a showing on TV of The Little Mermaid, so my parents taped it for me. So, like, when I would watch the VHS, I would see Mickey and Minnie and, you know, like, hi, I'm, I think, probably, like, Michael Eisner, I don't know. Yeah, it would be Michael Eisner (laughs) at that time. Like, all coming out, like, here's the movie you're going to watch tonight, and then... Like, I would just gloriously play The Little Mermaid. Um, I loved it. I just, I loved the story. I loved the ocean. I loved, like, all the vivid colors and imagery to it. Mm -hmm. Now, I would be remiss, like, I'd be remiss if I did not mention the rewatchability of Indiana Jones, of um, Back to the Future, and the Rocky movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I still, to this day, 30-some years later, watch these movies. Oh, yeah. You, like, I feel like Rocky is one of your favorite movies because of the underdog aspect of it. Back to the Future, I think you just like the, I, the kookiness of... I want it to be Marty McFly. And also, like, hey, Christopher Lloyd, like, you did an amazing job. Christopher Lloyd, I didn't... Okay, so I didn't realize... I, I kind of knew who Christopher Lloyd was. I didn't realize Christopher Lloyd also played um, Uncle Fester in The Addams Family. See, I feel like we Didn't could, realize that was the same guy. We could probably do an entire podcast about Christopher Lloyd and his illustrious career. And, and not to mention the fact that he was also in Angels in the Outfield. He's in um, Page Master, I do believe. Didn't see that movie, but yes, he was in Page Master. Um, so we'll have to re- we'll have to watch, <laughs> we'll have to watch that movie. <laughs> so 
was saying all this just to basically be like, look, we like movies. I don't know if we would consider ourselves, you would consider us movie buffs. Oh, I feel like we definitely are movie buffs. I would not consider us movie critics. Like, no. I'm not one of those people to get online and be like, oh, blah, 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 10 out of 5, whatever. I don't scale movies that way. It would 10 be out of 5. 5 out of 10. Like, <laughs> it's, first thing in, it's first thing in the morning, what can I say? Yeah, this um, is an early morning edition of the podcast. Yes. So, let's jump through some of these questions. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to mark off the ones that we've done so we don't come back to them again. All right. We've talked about our the first movie that we have watched. Um, okay. So let's go to what movies can we return to again and again? Because we kind of already segued there with uh, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, and the Rocky yeah. franchise. So number one, that would be it. Honestly, a lot of Disney movies I feel like I could mm-hmm. come back to. Especially since they're part of my childhood. Um, well, that was going to be my next thing to mention. Like, you and I in our personal lives, both of our families were big Disney families. Not just like, oh, I watch Disney occasionally. Like, our families go to the parks. They watch the movies. If, they have numerous, like, merchandise going on. Yeah. If you... um, As if, I look at one of our wedding presents was a lithograph print from Cinderella so yeah there you go. <laughs> that we that we need to get hung up so well, I mean it's finally framed now that's that's good so yeah basically v- movies that are rewatchable and what makes a movie rewatchable let's let's start there and then we'll talk about the movies right so what makes the movie rewatchable for me I feel like it could be something as simple as wow I really like the visual imagery of like the backdrop that they've chosen yeah to make this film absolutely the way the movie looks or the way it's shot always brings people back um i think for me a lot of the times it's also um the story right it like you said rocky being the ultimate underdog story like when i feel like the underdog i will throw that movie on and then i just binge watch all the others um but, like, it's the ultimate underdog or the story that kind of brings me in. For me, too, like, it could be, hey, I have a good memory of watching this movie with, like, one of my friends or a family member. Exactly. I was going to say that as well. Like, um, for me, it was always, you know, just I was connected to the story in some way or the characters, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, today, being, you know, 2021, what makes a movie rewatchable? Because there's so many ways to consume movies now. Like, what makes a movie rewatchable? I think, honestly, there's the comfort of, like, familiar films. Mm -hmm. But then also when something is new and shiny and, like, all of your friends are watching this movie. Like, there's this desire as wanting to be a part of a community to be like, oh, I gotta watch this so I can talk with my friends about it. Yeah. Well, and I think what makes it rewatchable is once you watch it and then you're like, oh, I want to see it again because you know how some movies are like a puzzle, like you mm-hmm. miss something and the more you watch it, the more you're like, hey, I didn't realize they also talked about this. So this yeah. also happened and like uh, a, a simple favor is one of those movies. Every time you and I watch it, we're like, yo, that was even better the fifth time than it was the first time. So I think that movie, we were just like, hey, we know we like Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. Let's let's see how this pans out. Like, we didn't really go into the movie 
with high expectations, or at least I didn't. I went in going, huh, this might be a good, like, murder mystery. Mm. And that was it. So, once we watched that, that, I always want to call them films, and then you make fun of me. It's a film. But once we watched that film, I swear, like, when we would get in a show home, or, like, we don't know what to watch, or, like, let's just watch Simple Favor again. Yeah, and there was one period of time where we watched that movie, I've got to say, every couple days, like almost every day to we, a, for a period of time. We literally got to a point where we're like, let's just break down and buy it. Yeah, we, we ended up having to buy it because it was getting to the point where we were watching it so frequently that we were like, we can't keep getting it from the library or we can't, you know, keep paying to stream, stream it or whatever. We just bought it. And I like to actually own things on DVD still. So, So okay. Like, I joke with my friends. If, you know, we ever end up moving off the grid, I will have plenty of material to keep me entertained between the movies, the DVDs, the board games, the books that we own. Like, if God forbid we had to live without the internet, we would be fine. Yeah, we would be okay. All of our favorite TV shows we already have on DVD. Um... We have a lot of movies that I've just collected over the years. Um, so, like the those things on Facebook where it's like, oh, would you live in a cabin with no internet for $100,000? I'm like, yes, sign me up. Like, where is this fictional place? Yeah. <laughs> now, okay, so we've talked about what makes a movie, like, rewatchable, and we've talked about a few of ours. Um, and again, like, yeah. So what was that question one more time? Your brain just totally left the My building. brain okay. just totally just disappeared. It's so gone. here it's are the questions out. that we have talked about. We've talked about the first movie we watched numerous times as kids. And what movies can we rewatch again and again? So maybe we should go to like the questions that we ask when we're picking a movie to watch. Oh, the, okay. This is an interesting... Like, I, I've never known anyone to do this like we do. We have a, a process. Yeah. So, when we're sitting down, when we have time off together, when we want to watch a movie, we have, a like, a criteria. Like, there's literally a series of questions that we go through to determine what we're going to watch. It always starts with one question. So, the first question is, do we want to watch a live-action live movie or, or animated. animated? That was cool. Um, well, because you knew what we were going to say. So. Yeah, because we do this constantly. So, live-action or animated... And then that splinters into, like, let's say we say live action. Mm -hmm. Then it would go into what? It's usually like, hey, do you want, like, a particular actor? We usually go or, like, do you want Will Smith or Robin Williams? Mm Mm-hmm. Because I have a lot of those movies. Yes. Now, if we say animated, it's... Disney or not Disney. Yeah. Like, that's it right there. Disney or not Disney. And then it splinters again. Um, and we're not going to go through each category, but it, that's really what we do is we just look at each other and go, okay, live action or animated. Or sometimes, and this is really rare, sometimes we'll say, I want to watch this genre of movie. So like, we're both in the mood for a comedy. Mm-hmm. Cool. We look for comedy. I um, feel like we watch a lot of comedy over the summer just because it is very hot and it can get discouraging where we live to be like, when oh. it's 120 outside. And, like, we're not joking. Like, the temperature literally will consistently be above 115 or yeah. 110. And it's just not fun. Yeah. Um, so, 
And then we also, when we do like an action movie, usually becomes a superhero movie, right? Like, yeah. Well, because I feel like you you will watch like other action films, but generally speaking, to have me be engaged and more involved in the content, we generally go like the Marvel slash DC route. Yeah. Usually Marvel route. Although, like, I am a very big fan of the DC characters. Yes, you are. Um, yeah, I mean, and it really kind of just depends. Now, to be honest with you, most of the time, whatever TV show we're watching, um, we usually zoom in on the show first. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're like, hey, let's take a break from the show for a minute, we try to find a movie that's actually the opposite of that show. So, like, when if we're watching a superhero movie and it's like, wow, this character's going through some heavy stuff, we'll be like, okay, let's watch a comedy. Let's watch a comedy. Or what we do is, is you know, we just watch a, watched a scary movie or show, we'll go ahead and watch a comedy or, or something lighthearted. The post-scary movie show I like to refer to as our palate cleanser. Because I am not about to watch a slasher film and then just go to sleep. Like, that's not happening. Whereas I could watch a slasher film 3 in the morning you and go straight to bed. You watch a slasher film to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> watch true crime to go to sleep. Um, so that's, I mean, and, and, and sometimes it takes us forever to pick a movie. But sometimes it's like, mm-hmm. we find it, here we go, let's press play, let's have fun. Well, and those of you who have numerous streaming services, as most of us do... Like, there is a wide variety, like a plethora or a smorgasbord of options for entertainment for us to consume. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through, gone to Netflix, gone through the movies, left Netflix, went to Peacock TV, gone through the movies, left that, went to Disney Plus. And I'm like, it takes forever sometimes to pick a movie. Mm-hmm. But when we do and we pick a good one, it's joyous. It's a great thing. Well, and again, it all goes back to us for our relationship. This is really how we bond with one another. It's yeah, like the language we, of movies. Yeah, this is why we got married. Now, we're talking about how you know when it, when we pick a great movie, it's joyous. But what happens when we pick one that is like when we're looking forward to it and it's not up to par? Okay, so let's tackle that. Because right. we've I'm, had that I'm happen. I'm frantically like marking off stuff that we've talked about so we don't repeat. We've it. definitely had that happen where we're looking forward to a movie, we see it in theaters, or we get it from the library, or we find it on streaming, and we're just like, I'm hyped to see this movie. We watch it, and it falls flat. Okay, so again, going back to Disney, Disney has been in our both of our families providing quality entertainment for numerous years. And in recent years, we all know that they've been doing a lot of live-action remakes of the more classic films. So we watched Aladdin, and I loved it. I saw it in theaters like four times. You really did. Like, I went with you, I went with my mom, and I went twice just by myself. Like, I could not get enough of this movie. It was fantastic. And when I think you had seen it with your mom first, and then you took me. Yes. And I, I was like, whatever with it. I was like, okay, if I watch it in theaters, it's fine. If not, I'll watch it when it comes out. You insisted we see it in theaters. So I was like, all right, cool. I was like, you have to go see this film. And 
I'm 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 pretty sure I almost cried in that movie. Oh yeah. So, you know, um, it was it was fantastic, but. So, riding on the coattails of Aladdin's wonderful success, Disney then chose to release the live-action version of The Lion King. And, of course, because I'm like, they did such a great job with Aladdin, they have wonderful source material to draw from for The Lion King, the trailer looks super cute, and then we went to the actual movie. Okay, okay. So. <laughs> I was so upset. I, uh, okay. So we went to the movies. And again, it was one of those where you, like, we were, like, hyped to go. You were like, I can't wait. I literally have, like, a sweater that has, like, it's black. And it has the background of Simba and uh, Timon and Pumbaa. Like, when they're walking across the log and there's, like, the sun or something. Anyway, yeah. Like, I was invested in this movie. I had the merch. I was ready. Absolutely. We went in, and I was like, okay, the CGI looks great. The the, the scenery looks fantastic. Everything, but, but the movie fell flat on its face. The dialogue was so different from the original, which, again, in Aladdin, I feel like it worked. They made it work very well. But for this, I was like, no, like this is this just falls flat. Well, there, there, there were there were times where it was like they were trying to make a scene funny, and it just wasn't funny. And then, I and I was trying to enjoy the movie, like I was really like. And then we got to the scene, um, and you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. So in the in the animated Lion King, like you have. Uh, you have Scar's song, which is this very, like, how would you describe it? It's very, uh, no, it's not upbeat. How would you describe it? So Scar is the villain in this movie. Again, for those of you, like, if you haven't seen The Lion King, I don't know what you've been doing since it's released. 92 date, but, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, take a moment. Watch the original animated film. So Scar is the villain, and... Like, the Lion King is basically a hamlet for animals. So, Scar wants to get his kingdom back and all this stuff. So, he has this this moving mantra for his minions. Yeah. That's a lot of M words. You I like right? that alliteration. Moving mantra for moving his minions. Moving mantra for his... <coughs> sorry. Moving mantra for his minions. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, hey... He's calling out to the other lions like he gets to know I'm coming for ya. So be prepared is this epic song that There's the word I was looking for. Yeah. So yeah, the music swells, it sounds great. Um you can tell he's like on the come up. He's ready to to kind of take his place as king with this epic song. The live action movie dumbed down the song like they they took all instrument like instrumentation out. The wind was out of the sails for that song. Oh god! And that was the point where I almost walked out of the theater. I think we both were ready to just be like, "I'm done." Because here's the thing: the that's one of my favorite songs in the whole movie, um, in the in the original, because of just how epic it was, and it's kind of this turning point for the movie. The the live action. I don't know who composed this music, but you failed. You biffed it bad. Sorry, dude. 
Had to say it. So let's move on from the Lion King. Like we don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to finish this off on a bad note. Uh, <laughs> no. But let's go into. Do you see movies just for a particular actor? I used to. Like. Because IMDb is our friend. Yeah, I used to, especially as you know, as a teenager and stuff like that. They'd be like, "Oh, Will Smith's coming out with a new movie." Okay, I've always liked his stuff. I'm gonna go see it. Um. Now, not so much. Now it's like if it, it's really got to compel me, as a as a, as a story before the actor does. Well, and I think now because we are adults with budgets, when we're actually gonna go to the movie theater, unless we have a gift card, we have to think: Do I want to spend twenty like, to thirty dollars yeah. <laughs> on this movie? And honestly, that's one of the things I'm thinking about right now with this movie, The Courier, which has Benedict Cumberbatch in it. I love him. I think I'm really going to love this movie, but do I want to spend almost $10 a ticket for it? I like, I'm grappling with that question, and we'll come back to that later, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, and there is some movies that I'm like, hey, this this person always gives a great performance. Oh, exactly. Like, um, uh, I, but what I, what I try to do now, I guess, I'm like... Okay, let me research the movie and see if it's something I'm interested in. For me, like I love like Meryl Streep and Helen Mirren and Judi Dench because they give consistently good performances in anything that they're in. But we've also learned, just because it has a specific actor in it who still gives a great performance, doesn't mean the movie's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to, to some people, you know... There's probably a slew of movies that you can think of that are like, hey, the main actor did great, but everything else in the movie just didn't work. You know, uh, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. I would almost say maybe Suicide Squad. Even yeah. though I liked the mm -hmm. movie, like, it was built around uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. And even though she wasn't like the main character, like she was the main character, everyone wanted to see her. Uh, Will Smith was also in that movie. Like everyone performed very well in that movie. The movie, even though I do like it, was not what they expected it to be. Uh, same thing with the sequel, I would say. So let's go to our final question now. What makes a movie a classic? Oh, here we go. I'm gonna let you start it off. This is like the uh, the main course of our podcast for this particular topic. And I feel like, okay, to define a classic, generally speaking, it's not going to be a newer movie. But it, like newer movies have the potential to turn into classics. Mm -hmm. But I think what makes a movie a classic like there are so like there's a myriad of different things. I can't just be like here's one criteria, you know? Yeah. So classic movies I feel like people equate that with like, oh, they must be older. But I don't feel like that's necessarily the first thing like it has to be something from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s to the be the golden age of movies, the golden age of Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um I think for me, uh, I've all and I think we've had this discussion. I've always questioned what makes something a classic because people will tell me, "Oh, this movie's a classic, yada yada." Well, I'll like, go watch it, and I just don't see the allure. Look at a lot of the Hitchcock films. 
for yeah. you because you love horror movies, those are quote unquote like Classics. classic films. Yeah. Um, or the Universal monster movies. Again, for you, those are, hey, like this is, you got to start with the original. Yeah. Um, but I know you've actually brought some movies to my attention when you're like, hey, this is a classic, this is a great movie, and I'm like, it's good. I don't know if I would categorize it as classic, but again, it hits people differently. Well, and for me, like, I grew up watching a lot of musicals. Anthony did not, did not have that background. So. I, I didn't, I didn't even know musicals, like, I'm still wondering why there's a certain time period in Hollywood uh, where everything was a musical. Everything was a musical. So. Well, and like looking at the historical context of things, in the era where there were lots of musicals, it was because, like, hey, like we're in World War II or we're coming out of World War II or like Vietnam. We're trying to cheer up. Yeah, cheer up the exactly. World. We're having this entertainment factor. And I think, like. Just the chance to have that movie magic of for an hour or two. You get to absorb yourself within this storytelling. Yeah. And I think that's what, like going back to the Hitchcock films and the, and the Universal uh, Monster movies, they were made in a time when movies, like nowadays, they wouldn't, if they those came out now, they wouldn't be considered classics. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many movies that come out now, you have to compete with. So, But back in the 20s and 30s, like they, they didn't come out with movies as much as they do now. So that's part of why they were classics because they one they were made for quality, not quantity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, people just spit out movies like, "I made this movie, go watch it." Next month, I'm making another one. Like, yeah, you know, or next year, I'm making another one. Um, and but that kind of raises the question of can movies now be you know classics down the road? Oh, yes, definitely. Because I feel like, again, another criteria is can you watch this movie like with your family or can you watch it over and over again? Like, I'm not going to be sitting here watching The Godfather with kiddos. Like, that's not recommended. But Even though you saw it as a kiddo. I did not see The Godfather as a kid. I, I did not did. watch that movie till I was in college because my mom was like, no, you're not going to like the horse head in the bed. Yeah, but anyway... Well, and like for me, I 100% believe the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like it, when we have kids and grandkids and all that, that, that is going to be considered classic movies because they did something that nobody's done. They built an entire universe mm -hmm. of m multiple movies over like 15 years. A 15 years. year period, yeah. So, you know... And they all connect and they interweave. Like, that's going to be... That's the future of movies. Like, you see it all over the place now. Like, Godzilla and King Kong is part of a universe. And everything is going to be universe at this point. Because of that. Well, and I think, honestly, there are some movies that are fine. It's just, like, you don't need a sequel. You don't need a spinoff. Like, this is good as a standalone film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think knowing the difference between that is going to be what's important. But anyway, <coughs> as I almost die, um, any any other questions we need to tackle before we go ahead and jump to a break? Well, this that's law. I'm going to recheck the list here. Do, do, do. She's checking the list. All right. We talked about a classic movie, movies we return to, 
some of the questions we asked, the first movie, Lion King. And I would definitely say, like, what makes a classic movie is these questions, right? Can you rewatch it? Um, does it captivate you? Does it draw you in as a, as a, as a spectator, but also a participant in the movie? Um, yeah, this is what makes movies classics. Well, and we always want to hear from you, our listeners. Like, let us know. Is there a movie that you want us to review on our show? We would love to be able to watch it and give you our perspective on it. And even, like, because we're wanting to get more interviews now, we would be happy to uh, have you come on the show and talk about the movie, too. Definitely. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, hit us up. Uh, Beautiful Feet Entertainment. BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. And, yeah, Beautiful Feet Entertainment on Instagram and Twitter. You can always hit us up there. But for now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back um, with the Beautiful Feet Podcast. This episode of the Beautiful Feet Podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary of My Solitude, a published book of poetry by me, Anthony Giesick. You can pick up your copy at BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com at iUniverse.com and Amazon.com Welcome back to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. This is the portion of the podcast where we're going to go ahead and dive into scripture. Um, We're going to be going over John chapter 17. Before we do that, Jessica, would you be able to give us a recap of John 16 from last week? So for John chapter 16, Jesus is telling his disciples more about the Holy Spirit who he promises that is going to be with with them once Jesus has gone and ascended into heaven. And um, he talks about the fact that the disciples are going to be persecuted for their faith in Jesus and that that is going to to fill them with grief at times but he also promises the disciples that the grief that they feel Mm -hmm. is going to turn into joy because even though jesus has to go away he knows that through the promise of eternal life the disciples will be able to see him again yeah um and he's really trying to to bring this point home of like, hey, I'm not going to be able to be here with you anymore. You can't go where I'm going to be going, but I'm going to be going there to make a way and a place for you. Mm-hmm. And again, just this promise of the Holy Spirit. So going into John chapter 17, we see that Jesus turns from just like counseling and speaking with and to his disciples to now he's actually praying to God. Yeah, so, and, and the great thing about this particular chapter, honestly, the whole thing is a prayer um, from Jesus to, to his Father God. Um, and, and it really kind of shows the intimate moments between them, um, really on one of Jesus' last opportunities to speak to his Heavenly Father, before the crucifixion. So just as kind of a quick recap, we have seen that Judas, we know that he's going to betray Jesus. And at this point in time, he has gone to the authorities. So in the next chapter, we'll see that Jesus brings the authorities, or Jesus, 
Judas brings the authorities to Jesus and Jesus is arrested. So like Anthony was saying, this is going to be Jesus's really like last time for a peaceful connection with his disciples and his heavenly father. Yeah. And um and what we've seen in the past is like when Jesus has that time with his heavenly father and and really that time kind of away from people um it really impacts like the way he works the way he does ministry um and it really was an example of like in our life we need to take time for our heavenly father away from people and away from that responsibility so that we could do a better job with that responsibility of whatever that your job is um and this is actually like a really a really solid look in, in how Jesus prayed, not only for himself and his own concerns, but also for his disciples uh, and for their concerns or for their safety. Um, and we, like I said, we've pinpointed just a few um, verses or a few pieces of scripture. Uh, we're not going over the entire chapter. We are going to do an overview of the chapter. So we just ask that if you're reading along, read the full chapter take notes write down questions you can always contact us for any clarification um but let's go ahead and go over the couple verses that we had um, okay here we go um mm-hmm. i know I, I wanted to do 10 and 11 i think you want to do like i think it was 17 we had a few other ones so. yeah okay well let's start with 10 and 11 here jesus says all i have is yours and all you have is mine, and the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. So what are we seeing here? We're seeing that Jesus knows that he's not going to be on earth with the disciples, but he wants the Father to intercede on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, like now, as modern day Christians, we pray in the name of Jesus. And yeah. I think this is establishing that precedent. Yeah. Well, and what I liked about it, um, let me go ahead and get to it. Um, he just, he really just says, hey, like, I love this idea of Jesus being like, look. I have done my part uh, over the last couple years in, in gathering them together, teaching them the, 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 the commands of God, uh, keeping them safe. Like, I have done the ministering part. And he goes, I'm no longer going to be here. I'm asking um, the, the Heavenly Father to keep them safe, right? Like, he's asking for that protection because he knows that these disciples are going to be the ones who take the gospel around the world, who begin that journey um, really around the world to preach the gospel. Speaking of asking for things, I think later on in the episode, how you normally ask me to pray, I will ask you to pray Interesting. to, to close us out here. Okay. So just be uh, keeping that in the back of your mind there. I'll, I'll put it in the vault. But anyway, so... <laughs> let's get to... Let's um, keep going. Yeah. Okay. 
So what I enjoyed was, yeah, verse 17. He talks, he said, words. <laughs> it's early says, in the morning. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now that word sanctification just really essentially means to be set apart for a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. But the part of this verse that I love the most is where Jesus says that your word is truth. Yeah. Because... We live in a world where we're just inundated with a variety of different types of information through social media outlets, through the news, through books, and just like any way you can get information. Obviously, everything we encounter is not going to be 100% truthful. So I like the fact that Jesus is saying that God's word is something that we can rely on to be true, to be accurate, to be something that is going to be consistent. Well, and, and the thing is, is like, um, you know, I, I love that too because we have so many people who try to disprove the Bible, who try to like poke holes in the, in the theology and, and just poke holes in what it says. And the truth is, is you can't do that. Like, I know you may think there's a lot of contradictions or there's a lot of misinterpretations or or misunderstandings. Uh, it really boils down to the scripture itself is 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 cohesive. It all works together. Now the way we as people interpret it or use it, that's where that comes in, right? Like because you have people who take verses from the Bible. And totally twist them to their own will and their own way, right? Like, and that's where a lot of uh, misquoting and misteaching from the Bible comes from. Well, and we talked about this um, in the church that we go to. We were looking at um, scriptural accuracy. And it is important to know that, like, the Bible was not just one book written by one person at one time. It's a collection of 66 different separate books. Like, I think they said, like, what, 40? 15. Sorry, go ahead. There's 1,500 years of history. It's written on three different continents, but it all tells the story of Jesus. Yeah. And then I think you were saying the number of authors. It was, like, 15, I thought? I thought it was 40, but we can look it up. But anyway. I'm, I, I might be confusing it with another stat. I'll have to take a look, but... uh. Well, and, 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 the, and I love that, right? I love the fact that we could look at Scripture and go, hey, um, it, it's, this, it's this idea that, like, people try to, like I said, try to disprove it, but how many times have we actually heard stories and saw the proof of people who are like, hey, I tried to disprove the Bible because I was atheist or because of whatever reason, and I ended up becoming a Christian because of it. You know oh, what I mean? yeah, definitely. There are a lot of um, a lot of people that we now think of as like, wow, this is a really faith-filled individual, but they did not start out that way. Yeah. And to go back to what you were saying, yes, it is 66 books, 1,500 years, 40 people, three languages, three continents, and they all tell us one story, and that story is about Jesus. I went ahead and looked at my notes from that particular sermon. Um 
But yeah. So uh, for this particular chapter, we really are looking at a very intimate conversation between Jesus and God. And you and I were having the discussion before we started recording of like, how would the disciples know about this conversation between Jesus and God? Um, and I don't think we came up with a definite answer, but um, it really boiled down to, okay, John is, um, the book of John is a firsthand account. So John was actually in the inner circle of Jesus. Um, and not only that, he was really in the inner circle because there was only three people that Jesus took everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that was John, was one of them. So my 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 thought is um, Jesus went to a place to pray. And like I said, he always brought, was it John, James, and there was one other individual who I don't remember his name right now. Um, he always brought them with him and that he would have them kind of keep watch around the perimeter of wherever he was praying. So I'm wondering if John was able to hear this prayer. And then when he went to write the book, the Holy Spirit kind of filled in all of the other areas of, of you know, what he may have missed or, or uh, put meaning behind what he said. So we're seeing that Jesus is praying for himself to be glorified. Mm-hmm. He's praying for his disciples, so like the 12, the core group. And then he's also playing, praying. He is praying for the believers who will come after the disciples. And when I was early on in my faith, um, when I was reading the Bible, um, and I came across the scripture where he really does pray for believers um, outside of the 12 disciples. Um, And I love the way he puts it. Um, He says, verse 20, I do not ask for these only. So he's saying, these being the the 12 disciples, uh, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Uh, And he continues with, you know, please have them become one with you through your word. And so when I I heard that, I was really blown away because, again, being a young Christian, I didn't realize Jesus prayed for the generations to come because he knew us by name. He knows us by name. He knows what we look like. He knows who he died for. Um, so that's who he's praying for. And I know you had a um, connection from something in your childhood as well. Well, I've heard it said that when he, when Jesus was on the cross, that you were on his mind. Mm-hmm. So, and again, we'll get into this more when we talk about the crucifixion. But like, it's not a quick and easy way to die. Like, this was an hours-long process. Well, and not only the the actual hanging on the cross, was, was that not hours, <coughs> but everything leading up to that, from the beatings to the abuse to the actual hike up the mountain with the cross. Like, these are all excruciating things uh, that took a lot of time because they wanted to torture um, their... their, their the, the people who were being crucified. There was a word I wanted to use there and I didn't couldn't think of what it was. The criminals, perhaps? Persecuted. P- the persecuted. 
But anyway, um, or the punished would have been the other word I was thinking of. So that's really my, like, that was really kind of a turning point for me. Not only the, the, the story of the crucifixion, but the fact that Jesus sat down and carefully prayed for, for me and for, for people of my generation, um, for people of my generation, long before he went to the cross. Like, he knew who was on his mind. Well, and I like, too, how he says in verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Just knowing that Jesus was there at the creation of the world. Jesus has seen these years of human history play out. And, like, he also has that ability mm-hmm. to know what the future would look like. Yeah. Um, well, that there would be these generation after generation of multiple people coming to faith in Jesus. Yeah. So, this is kind of going off subject, but I think it, I think it, um, I think it's good for us to discuss. So, you and I were talking about. Um, the connection between Christianity, Judaism, and the Muslim faith. So, uh, we kind of have to go all the way back to the story of Abraham. Mm -hmm. Abraham was the first person that God called out and said, Hey, I want you to follow me. Yeah. And Abraham and his wife, Like, they really have wanted a child, and they were unable to have a child. So Abraham, like, he fathered a child named Ishmael through Hagar, I believe. So, like, his wife's servant, I suppose. Yeah. Um, So Ishmael goes on to kind of be, like, the beginning of the Islamic faith, whereas... Mm -hmm. Abraham and Isaac, that becomes the Jewish faith family. And we know that because Jesus was raised in the Jewish tradition, we can think of that as like the Judeo-Christian heritage. Well, and not only that, was like, there's a timeline that goes from uh, Isaac all the way down to David and David down to Jesus. Because genealogy for the Jewish people during this time it would have been very important for them to establish the lineage of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and and you find that, I believe it's in Luke. Uh, um, and then I think Matthew, Matthew Mark, yeah. also. Um, so you, you see a lot of the genealogy of Jesus. That's a cool thing to say. Um, and you just see how he really was connected to to the, the house of David, mm-hmm. right? So you have these three different religions, all of which have the root with Abraham. Abraham. So it's all from the same nucleus, to, to, to use a different term. Um, and, and the question kind of comes, like, at what point in time and, and why did they all branch off? And why are they all so vastly different? Um, and we don't have the full answers here. We're not, we, we're, we're not scholars, so we're, we don't have all the answers. 
We're just giving like an overview, right? We're just starting the conversation. So I feel like kind of a very easy way to look at some differences in these different religions is that for the Jewish people, they're still waiting for the Messiah to come. For Christians, they believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that Muslims have like a messianic figure. No. They just had Muhammad was their prophet. Yeah. And so they're taking the um, they're taking the words of Muhammad, which I, which is uh, the Quran, I would I believe, um, and they're, they're living by that code and, and by that understanding. I do wonder, and this is kind of the last thing we're gonna say, but like I do wonder if if we did a timeline, if there was a timeline from uh, the son's name was Ishmael. I don't know why I almost forgot that. From Ishmael to Muhammad, where where that timeline goes? Oh, okay. that would be interesting. But that know. might uh, that might be some homework for us, or maybe some of our listeners will have more insights. Yeah, maybe if you do, feel free to hit us up. That would be a great thing to read about, to look into. Um, it's something that, as I'm saying it, I'm like, that's really intriguing. I might, I might do a research project on that or something. So let me know. Uh, just hit me up at Beautiful Feet Entertainment on Instagram and Twitter and BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. I will be looking there. Um, so is there anything further from this chapter? This chapter, like I said, it really is, like we were saying, it's an intimate moment between Jesus and his heavenly father. Um, just put into words, just allowed for us to see and hear the way Jesus prayed for us. I think Jesus is just really having this moment where because he wants to abide in the love of the Father, he also wants the people that he is close to to be able to have that connection mm -hmm. with God. Well, and I love and I love this prayer because I was saying I was saying earlier this is one of the few times that we see Jesus really vulnerable, right? We see him 100% step away from his role as Messiah and just be a man praying. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, he's completely vulnerable as to talking with his father. He's completely vulnerable um and in being human and saying, hey, I'm only here for a limited time. My my impact only goes so far. Um, and that's why he's asking, you know, the Heavenly Father to protect them as they go out and spread the word and bring people to, to faith in me. Um, and I love, I love seeing the human side of Jesus. And I think sometimes we focus so much on the Messiah side. Mm -hmm. That we forget that he was 100% human as well. Um, so he has chosen, he has human limitations. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to, to pinpoint. But, um, yeah. As our cat tries to break into the room, even though there's another way in. Anyway. Um, yeah, so... Was there anything else you wanted to point out? She's running after the cat. Give it a second. She's fine. She's fine. It's a cat. This is what they do. 
Um, no, I feel like we've covered everything that is good to highlight. And next week we'll talk about John chapter 18. So we'll see Jesus um, being arrested at that mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. But I will let you go ahead and pray. And thank you so much for listening. We always love to hear from you. Again, if you'd like to hear from us, please reach out to beautifulfeetentertainment.com and find us on Instagram and Twitter. Perfect. I'm going to go ahead and pray and then we'll close out from there. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word that we could we could read your word and, and hear your word and just understand um, the path that you have for us. We thank you uh, for the forgiveness that you've offered through Jesus and this new life that we are we have. We just pray, God, that those who receive it would, would truly walk with you, Jesus. We pray for our listeners that they would walk with you, Jesus, even in the most difficult of times. We just ask that you would be with them, that you would bless them. Um, we, we pray over this week for anything that we're going to face, that you would, again, just give us that courage to face those things. And we just pray all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, you guys. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the Beautiful Feet Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast, a partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Please visit BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com and do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.